Hello, listeners, as I say, friends and not yet friends who I hope will become friends. Hey, this is Marcia Epstein. I'm in Lawrence, Kansas, and this is Talk With Me, where my overall theme is the intersection of art and mental health, because that's where I live, and I think it's a pretty cool place. I want to say just a couple of things about something that happened and some stuff that's coming up because I'm super excited about so, so many things. So we are recording this on Monday, July 30th, 2018. And on Saturday before this was this amazing experience that I was able to organize and lead with my friends, Rose Island Foster and Robin Goff at this magical place in Southern Douglas County, Kansas called the Light Center. And we hosted this retreat called Thriving While Living with Suicide. And people are going, what? But this is something that so many of us have different kinds of experience with. It's important to talk about. And even in that retreat, we had time reserved for creativity, for movement, and for drawing, and for painting, and for writing. Because creative expression is so powerful and meaningful and so that was going on. And I'm looking forward to in September, we have National Suicide Prevention Week, which includes the date of September 10th, which is World Suicide Prevention Day. And every year on World Suicide Prevention Day here in Lawrence, Kansas, we have this event that I host called Words Save Lives. And it's poetry and comedy and storytelling and music and drag performance. And it's this awesome time for people to come together, to be together, to make new friends, to see people who are at the, the mic, who are doing things that they relate to saying things. And everybody's there because they're interested in building connection and in, in knowing how that enhances our lives because that's truly what preventing suicide is about. It's not this prevent suicide. It's create lives that we're happy to live and feeling valued and belonging is a huge part of that. So that is coming up in Lawrence, Kansas on September 10th. And that's something I get so excited about. And, and I, I love that there are people who have been part of this year after year who are saying, yes, 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 if you have room at the mic, I want to be there. And new people every year and people who look different from each other, who have things in common, who are different genders, different sexual orientations, different races and ethnicities, different faiths, different economic levels, different levels of physical ability. I mean, all kinds of difference because we are all many things and embracing all of us is so important. So I could talk forever about that. I'm not going to do that. I probably will a little closer to the time. But right now, I want to get right with my guest, who's somebody, you know, it's funny how in, in our circles, we, we hear people's names. We maybe even have crossed paths with them in some big gathering and didn't realize it. And for me, sometimes my first time to really get to meet that person is through this podcast. And today, I, I want to I just say that I, I mentioned Word Save Lives. Okay, I'm going to say one more thing about that. It was a few years ago when I was getting ready for Word Save Lives when I was listening to NPR and an interview with Terry Gross was talking to RuPaul. And RuPaul said this thing that I loved and I believe. And what he said was, drag saves lives. And so I thought, absolutely. And then drag became part of Word Save Lives. 
And I will also say that recently, thanks to my guest and to one of my friends who serves with me on the steering committee of the local chapter of the National Alliance of Mental Illness, um, and this is a new friend uh, who I met through this, this committee that we're both on, Rebecca Kaufman is this friend who is an avid cosplayer. And some of you don't know what I'm talking about with that word, what is cosplay? I'll let my guest explain it. But anyway, my my friend Rebecca is excited that I'm getting to do this thing with other person. And now finally, I'm going to say, who is this other person? Well, the person we're going to talk with today, her name is April Roller. She's based in Warrensburg, Missouri. And she's an amazing person doing wonderful things that enhance lots of people's lives. And none of it's easy, and I know what that's like. April, welcome to Talk With Me. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. I am so excited. I am so excited to get to talk to you about all this because I think it's so cool. Oh, so, I, yes. I love cosplay. <laughs> yeah. So, so I want to have you first say a, a few things about you and your family, and then we'll okay. talk specifically about what this cosplay thing is. It's interesting with things that I will put under the kind of theatrical, kind of costumey makeup performance kinds of things. I've, I've had other people, I had a person on whose, whose profession is he's a dramaturg. And it's like, well, what is that, you know? So now we're gonna get to learn about cosplay, but first we're gonna get to hear a little bit about April Roller and her family. Okay, well, um, slight trigger warning for, for those who are listening. Uh, they've experienced a, a loss to suicide. You know, this, this might be triggering. Uh, August 4th, 2013, my husband, Jeremy, uh, died by suicide. When he died, um, our boys were 5, 3, and 15 months old. And at the time, we had no idea what mental health was. Uh, we had no idea what suicide was. So I did what most people do when they don't understand something. They go to the Internet and start searching. And um, I found uh, a walk for suicide prevention, and we became involved in that. And that basically kick-started our entire family, uh, the boys and I, and as well as my mom, my father, getting involved in suicide prevention efforts down in Johnson County, Missouri. And uh, I loved it. Um, when Jeremy died, I was a sophomore in high or in I wish high school. <laughs> um, I was a sophomore in college, mm -hmm. and um, decided to throw myself into research. So um, I had three choices to make. I could either just just get by with our loss because I didn't quite understand what mental health was, or you know, what, what the word suicide actually encompassed, mm -hmm. or I could survive our loss, um, which is, you know, just surviving, gritting your teeth day by day by day, or I could learn how to thrive and also teach our boys to do the same. Mm -hmm. And so I am, I embraced the latter. Um, and so, you know, working really, really hard, we, we helped expand the walks and, um, Few few years later, I graduated with honors with a bachelor's in criminal justice, from minor in psychology, uh, and then uh, I earned a full-time graduate assistantship as a victim advocate at the University of Central Missouri out there in Warrensburg. Go Mule! Woohoo! <laughs> um, and 
I currently work as a sexual assault victim advocate at Survival House out in Warrensburg. So um, it's it's a lot of giving back to the community as much yes. as I possibly can. And um, through that journey, I met um, Erica Williams. She's the co-founder of Cosplay for Hope with me. And it was like, have you ever met someone and and you go, oh, my gosh, this person, you know, was was sent to me. Yes. Um, and it's just that wonderful, beautiful moment. Like I, I love Erica. She's, she's like a sister, and we're we've just grown so much together with uh, cosplay for hope. Uh-huh. And um, we had no idea that we were such <laughs> nerds, for lack of better terms, um, because we're we're like woo, you know. I I would uh-huh. um, speak in Elvish, which you know Tolkien fans they will know who I'm talking about. Uh-huh. You know, Lord of the Rings. And um, we would, you know, speak in Elvish to others. <laughs> um, we are huge, huge Harry Potter fan. Okay. Um, and, you know, I'm a Hufflepuff and a Gryffindor. <laughs> um, and it, it's just one of, one of those wonderful things where we didn't even realize at that point how much our nerdiness would, <laughs> you, you, you would expand. <laughs> Oh, it's 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 beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like it's one of those moments, oh my gosh, you too? Like and, and it was just so beautiful. And so um because of the, the suicide prevention walks that, that I you know, the boys and I were working on, um, we had some cosplayers attend in two thousand and I thought, Ooh, that's really, really neat concept yeah. you know these these people are coming and, and they're in costume and I noticed one thing which is when they would walk up to the cosplayers you know there'd be that little hesitancy of oh should I ask them for a picture and then um, the people would say oh could I have your picture and uh, the cosplayers would be like oh yeah and every single interaction that we saw that day when people were walking away were just these huge huge smiles uh-huh and and so we we were thinking about you know what maybe maybe we can get more cosplayers to come um and so eric and i were talking about it and we we thought of the hashtag cosplay for a cause you know to kind of encourage our cosplayers to cosplay for a specific reason Uh that's (laughs) and Oh, it was amazing. And so we, we had a walk in 2017, and it was the fall community walk. And people came in, and we had about 12 to 15 cosplayers who responded. We had people coming in all the way from Branson, Missouri, which out in Warrensburg, Branson is about a four-hour drive one way. Wow. And they were volunteering their time to pose for photos and um, just interact with all of our all of our walkers and the most poignant moment moment of the entire walk for me was when our cosplayers uh, walked up to what we have is an honor bead table it signifies the type of loss you've experienced uh-huh. or if you've lost a loved one to suicide and uh-huh. when they walked up to the honor bead table they were picking up you know uh, colors that signified their personal struggle with mental health or, you know, the the color that signified the type of loss that they had experienced. And it was this beautiful 
amazing moment of, oh my gosh, you know, they're, they're, they're opening up even more. And, and so I went, oh my goodness, I bet there's a, as the researcher, (laughs) um, I was like, I bet there's a research question here somewhere. And um, so our research question was, you know, is cosplay a coping mechanism? Um, And, you know, I'm a huge, you know, I mentioned Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter earlier. I'm a huge fandom fan. Like I'm a, we we tease at the house, we're multi-fandom family. <laughs> and yeah. so we like Harry we like Harry Potter and Supernatural, which is actually based out of Lawrence, Kansas. So when I heard oh. Lawrence, I was like, ooh. <laughs> um, a really good friend of mine who does uh, duct tape designs actually lives out in Lawrence, Kansas, and she's phenomenal. Um, and so it was just one thing where I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. Um, and so we were like, okay, well, I wonder if being part of a fandom family is beneficial to mental health. And so we, we started trying to gather participants and everything else. And we reached out to Planet and DelphCon about our research idea. And they accepted our research and, you know, allowed us to have the first ever mental health panel at Planet and StealthCon, which is huge. That's amazing. So I'm going to make you back up, though, and give some definitions for those of us who don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so start with telling people what what is cosplay for people who've never heard that. Like, okay, so C-O-S. P-L-A-Y. What is that? All right. What is well, that? Uh, cosplay actually originated back in 1984 um, with a, not necessarily a researcher, but a journalist from Japan, and his name was uh, Takadashi. And uh, essentially, we'll go all the way back to the 1900s, and um, People were going to masquerade balls and, and, you know, different different costume balls dressed up as different genres. So you're looking at sci-fi, Western, and so on. Well, um, the term was actually coined as costuming in 1939 when they had John Ackerman. It's A-C-K-E-R-M-A-N. He is the first ever photographed cosplayer, or at that time it was costumer. Um, and so it just, it took off. I believe that was in Los Angeles at a Los Angeles convention. And so people were really excited about his futuristic sci-fi costume that they started to attend conventions dressed in a genre. So in the futuristic, you know, type costumes, they were guessing what we would be like, you know, here in 2018 and so on. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was super exciting, but it, it was taking off more, in Japan, and when uh, Takadashi came over in the 80s, he was blown away by what everyone was doing. You know, everyone was dressing up in costume. But when he was translating the word over into Japanese, he felt that it was too old world to call it costuming. Uh-huh. So he he came up with the word cosplay, which is you know, the COS out of costume and P-L-A-Y. And so since 1984, the word cosplay has been used, but it's really taken off uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, when we had 
an increase in people going to conventions and um, just, you know, not necessarily being so ashamed of cosplaying and having fun. So tell me about your, tell us about your cosplay. Well, How did you uh, I, to this? <laughs> um, I'm a huge, huge fan of Supernatural. That's uh, one of my main fandoms from 2005. But before then, it was Lord of the Rings. So um, I haven't found the picture, thank goodness, <laughs> of, when, um, of when the Lord of the Rings movies were opening. Uh, because I, <laughs> I went to the theater dressed as... Um, one of the beautiful elves, Arwen, um, who was played by Liv Tyler in the Lord of the Rings franchise. <laughs> so um, I'm very thankful that we didn't have digital photos back then because, <laughs> it, yes, it would have been it would have been horrible. And so in 2000. Okay, so you did that. What was what was that about for you? Because I that's the really interesting and helpful thing to me is like how meaningful these experiences are for oh. people what so so really what's what's your like how does this all connect to you what does this fulfill for you what what is being involved with this kind of an art form what's that like for you well and and that's the thing i growing up i was very much the nerdy geeky kid who mm-hmm. um i was friends with everyone um you know, I, I did my best to make sure that no one felt like they were alone. Uh-huh. And um, Lord of the Rings, you know, and especially enjoying that genre because the books came out so, so long ago. Um, it, it was really, really connecting because there's a deeper story um, that the, the books are actually based off of. Um, about, you know, a, I believe it was World War One or two that the books were actually based off of. Um, and so it was connecting to those characters, but also kind of living vicariously through them. Mm-hmm. And so when I was cosplaying as um, as Arwen, because I just absolutely love her, um, when I was cosplaying as her, it was it was one of those like, no, I'm I am beautiful. I am I'm gonna be here for a long time type of type of mentalities. And then it was also when we when I was at the theater and other people were dressed just like me it was that oh my gosh I'm not alone in this at all Mm -hmm. which was wonderfully beautiful because there's so much strength and um, comfort in knowing that you're not alone in a process right Right. so how old were you when you started doing this oh my goodness (laughs) um oh I believe the first movie was because I was driving so I've 17 18 um but in my later years I've, I've been, I do modified cosplay. So I don't, cause I'm, I'm a bigger girl <laughs> and trying to find stuff um, that would fit me is different. So uh, I generally cosplay as a person who's in Hufflepuff, which is a Hogwarts house or uh, Mary Winchester, which is a supernatural tie back to uh, the mom of the two Winchester brothers, uh, Sam and Dean. So, okay, so people are getting, and I'm getting more understanding about cosplay. Listeners, some know this and are like, I want to hear what she does. I know, <laughs> I know what it is. Um, 
for other people like me, say a little bit more also about fandoms because you you referred to fandoms. Okay. Yes. Um, well, if you're familiar with an individual by the name of Durkheim, uh, he was researching suicidality and suicidal ideation. And one of the things that Durkheim is known for is stating and proving that with increased social isolation, a person has increased suicidal ideation. Mm-hmm. Well, when, when you're part of a fandom, when you're part of a fandom family, being part of that is something bigger than yourself, but it's also, it, it decreases your social isolation, which also decreases suicidal ideation. What does um, it mean to be part of a fandom or part of a fandom family? <laughs> well, being part of a fandom, uh, is essentially on different scales. So you have people who um, operate online support groups, like Jared Padalecki with Supernatural does um, Always Keep Fighting, which he came out about his depression and his anxiety. And so um, for for different fans, different genres and different fandoms, it all looks a little different. For me, uh, there's a lot of online and in-person support groups. Of, okay. of people. There's a lot of um, people who get together to raise money for charity, people who get together to celebrate certain certain points, you know, in the show, whether it be going to a convention or getting together for the premiere or the season finale. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of give and take, but being mm-hmm. part of a fandom can be as at the greatest scale someone wishes to be or even at the lowest lower scales mm-hmm. okay. but it, it's that sense of belonging and that sense of I'm not alone that carries over into that yeah. and it's, it's wonderful like uh, some of the always keep fighting groups that are you know online support groups uh, if you've got someone who's local you know like let's say you're in Lawrence Kansas and you've got another member who's in Lawrence Kansas and they're having a bad day you have the option to meet up with that person to help them through whatever they're going through. There's a lot of phone contact and it's just, it's beautiful to see people coming together. And it's also that sense of, you know, even when you're at a convention like planet, which will be celebrating its 20th year in, uh, in 2019, uh, when you, when you see that, um, and walking around and people, people recognize exactly what you're cosplaying as, or if you've got your, your t-shirt on that signifies the fandom that you affiliate with. Um, it's just that wonderful thing where people are like, Oh my gosh, me too. Um, Oh my goodness, that's me. And, and you can literally pick up friendship up from out of nowhere yes. and be able to, to talk and bond and grow. And it's, it's almost like a sisterhood or a brotherhood, you know, it's, it's that knowledge that you're part of a family and it's just it keeps getting bigger and also you're part of a family especially with the supernatural fandom and uh the harry potter fandoms where um, you know that you're not alone and you're not alone in any of the struggles or anything that you face because someone always has your back and so at its essence at its core that's what a fandom is is a, a bunch of people who love and enjoy something who want to get together and you know, celebrate that, but also, you know, know at the end of the day that if you don't have um, a real blood family, you've got a family in your fandom. That's amazing and wonderful. And that's the thing for me about that connection between art and mental health. It's like, we need to find our people, you know, we need to know that there are people who value us, who we value, 
And we don't all have the same passions, you know, for, for some people, you know, their connection may be through something else. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's, it's this importance of, of saying all of these ways that we connect are valid and important. And then it's, it's not better if you connect through your profession as an attorney, than if you connect through your love of cosplay, it's all, it's a, it's the connection part that's important that we all need. And to me, that goes back to, you know, my attitude about suicide prevention. It's not just don't do something and end up dead. It's have a life, build a life that you love. And sometimes you don't have the tools for that. Sometimes you feel isolated. I mean, I've known people for, for other reasons, but it's very parallel. I had a dear friend who sadly died of AIDS when he was in his twenties, but, but he, he came from a small town, Ottawa, Kansas, his name was Craig Miller, which is, it, it was, it, that's another story is it made me meet Craig Miller, who is a suicide prevention advocate, who's a suicide attempt survivor, as the website, this is how it feels. Um, anyway, my, but my, my, my first friend, Craig Miller, was this wonderful person, but he was, and he was a man who knew early on that he was gay. And he said he thought he was the only gay person in Ottawa, Kansas. And, you know, he was a person who his family didn't really get that and, and that as part of him. And I can remember, and, and he was, he would joke about it at this point, but it was like, you know, asking, you know, so, so are your, you know, after, after he got his social work degree, he moved to Chicago to work in an AIDS program. And I said something about, you know, so, you know, so are your parents supportive of this? And he looked at me and goes, my parents have never been supportive of anything I do. It's okay. You know, it's like, no, it's not okay. But he was, he was this amazing person and, and, and definitely, you know, had the, the built community drew people to him, drew himself to other people. But but had that experience before of no, I am totally alone, and that's a terrible place to live. Totally alone. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So cosplay and, is one of those things. It's like Ru- RuPaul saying drag. You know, it's like all these different things. Like we need to express ourselves. We need to connect, and we need to yeah. know that those are good things. Yeah. And that's, that's the wonderful thing is with cosplay, it actually, we look at how that's an art form in itself. Yes. Um, yes. And it, it is uh, a, because you, you have di- varying degrees of cosplay. And the wonderful, beautiful thing about that is the fact that it doesn't matter if you're just beginning. It doesn't matter if you've been cosplaying for years. Um, what matters is that you're doing something that you enjoy and that you love. Yes. So um, especially here in the Midwest, we have a lot of people who are just excited to see someone. And mm-hmm. whereas I do, I do the modified cosplay um, on our cosplay for hope team. Um, we have a therapist and she, she actually, she connects with some of her clients through cosplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that allows her, you know, to, to get them to open up. Mm-hmm. But you look at, um, like we, Lady Raven cosplay is one of the one of the individuals who has been to our walks since the beginning. Whenever we have an event, she is there, and she's just a wonderfully amazing, beautiful person. Like her soul is just, it's pure gold. And 
uh, I remember her sending sending us photos of you know a preview of an upcoming Loki cosplay that she was doing, which Loki is Thor's bro- brother from the Marvel era, you know, the Marvel comics and the Marvel movies. And just the time and effort that she was putting into this, you could see that it was just there was so much love and passion poured into what she was doing, mm-hmm. and she's just absolutely phenomenal and just one of the greatest people that we could ever know mm-hmm. and she is she is behind us 100 percent. and everyone in our team um at cosplay for hope like there's erica and myself and we're, we're the co-founders but every single person involved in our team um just have this passion of giving back to you know suicide prevention and mental health and combined we've got about 30 almost 40 years of you know dedication to what we've been doing and it's just you know we're we're all in this together and that's why you know yes erica and i are co-founders but we don't walk around and we don't wave that around in people's faces we're like Mm -hmm. no we're team we are team members we're part Mm -hmm. of a team we are living lives together and it's this mentality of you know, together, um, and this mentality of we we are not alone in this that that is getting us helping us get going because mm-hmm. we never we never imagined that our our little hashtag you know cosplay for a cause we never imagined that it would take off to this extent and that we mm-hmm. would be you know forming a nonprofit to help save and change lives mm-hmm. and it, it's just wonderfully beautiful to see and the excitement that we have like our our facebook page is receiving um from people as far away from canada and they're asking they're asking when are you when are you going to have this event um when are when are you bringing it to us and we're just like oh goodness (laughs) um it's this, (laughs) this sense of belonging yeah that's really cool. And hopefully some people will will learn from what you guys are doing and do things. Ooh, big old sirens in my area. Um, <laughs> people will will get the idea and, and build in their own community these kinds of activities because you're probably not going to be able to travel the world, but you, you we certainly can share information. That's one of those cool things. Yes. I, I want to ask about about your your sons. You're in Jeremy's sons. You know, I, I I in looking at your Facebook, I see them doing things, wearing shirts representing things that you guys are doing together. You, I, I want to know how you got so lucky that your your kids think, oh, what mom does is cool, rather than anything my mom <laughs> does is not cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we we raised them right. Um, my. my <laughs> My boys love the fact that mommy is really nerdy. All right. <laughs> they um okay, so self disclosure, um I'm the only Hufflepuff in the family. Okay. Um so if if people aren't familiar with Harry Potter or Hogwarts, there are four different four different houses um in <laughs> in that area. And so I'm a Hufflepuff. I was sorted, you know, by the Pottermore quiz. And my oldest son was sorted into Gryffindor, but he chose Slytherin. <laughs> uh-huh. um, because you, you get to choose. You get to uh-huh. choose your house. Um, my middle son, Castiel, uh, which is a supernatural tieback because 
the angel that premiered in season five was Castiel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so Castiel was sorted into Gryffindor, and my youngest, Chance, was sorted into Ravenclaw. So it, just within our own home, we, we are a house divided because everyone is in their own house. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so was, but, Jeremy, was Jeremy also enthralled with this? Was he also into oh, the, yes. the Harry Potter? Okay, cool. Yes. All right. yes, Jeremy was a Gryffindor. Um, okay. and, and he, he didn't know Elvish like I do <laughs> or did, okay. um, but he enjoyed that. But our favorite fandom together, uh, was the supernatural fandom. Um, I've got some amazing, amazing friends, uh, that, you know, are actually here in Kansas that, that I was, well, they've moved to Washington. Um, but Marcus and Megan, um, they own Mary the Impala, which is a supernatural replica of the Impala, the 67 Impala on the show. And um, Jeremy was a huge car person, and that Impala was like his his baby, even though he never got to actually see it. And so when the boys and I went to Planet in 2016, we had the wonderful opportunity to meet uh, Marcus and Megan, and also a good friend, Rick uh, Blevins. And through that, we've just met with so many people who are part of the supernatural fandom. And uh, it was just like that, that sense of, oh my gosh, these people are my family. Uh, mm-hmm. We've made so many wonderful connections with another friend of mine, Brenda. She is with the Kansas City Women of Letters group, which is also affiliated with Supernatural. It's just this, this fandom is so diverse and so unique and just wonderful that we're all part of it. And Mm -hmm. it, you know, it it doesn't matter if someone comes in and starts watching the show. Yes. You know, yesterday, or if they've been part of the, part of the viewing process since 2005, it's that, that sense of, Oh, we're, you know, we're family. It doesn't matter if we've never even physically met, but Jeremy was a huge, huge fan. Um, and he, we also grew up on, you know, the, the awesome 80s movies because we're 80s kids. Uh, we were, you know, I was born in 82 and Jeremy was born in 81. Mm-hmm. And so um, we love the Goonies, <laughs> uh-huh. Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Robin Hood, Men in Tight, you know, all of those different fandoms that my boys can you know they can now quote the movies <laughs> because we've so it's in their so genetics much. it's in their genetics their mom and their oh, dad yes. both love this stuff one of them has a name specifically chosen related to it to something and so maybe all three of them <laughs> i don't know but <laughs> yes cool. and and that's the thing is um my like misha collins knows my son castiel's um name because obviously his name is Castiel. The boys, uh, my sons, have met the cast of Supernatural. Um, cool. And it, it's just that extension of family, but it's just this constant, persistent, oh my gosh, you know, our family keeps getting bigger and bigger. Um, because yeah. one, of the, one of the most famous quotes from Supernatural is, family don't end with blood, which is yes. true. Um, I mean, and it's just like what, what we're doing, the road that we're on, um, the knowledge of us not be, being alone in this process is yes. huge. And yeah. uh, early on, um, 
when, when Jeremy died in 2013, um, being able to turn to that, that fandom, um, mm-hmm. was because I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, when it comes to losing someone to suicide, people don't know how to react. They don't know how to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, they're afraid to say something to you. So a lot of times uh, you've, you've had decades old friendships and even family members who kind of step away because they don't know yeah. what to do. Um, but my, my supernatural family didn't do that. You know, they were there for us. And um, that was huge, especially with the boys being young. And yeah. even, even, even these connections that we're making on a daily basis, it's just wonderfully beautiful to, you know, yes, I am, I am not an extrovert by any, any means. I'm, I'm a major wow. introvert. Um, but I, being part of something bigger than myself and being able to do it with such an amazing group of people who are, you know, are on the same wavelength is a huge blessing. And, um, you know, being able to like, um, Tuesday, July 31st is, uh, Harry Potter's birthday. <laughs> it's also the author, uh, JK, uh, it's also, also her birthday and being able to call anyone on our team, uh, at cosplay for hope or especially Erica and fangirl over the, over our plans for, um, a fictional character's birthday is heaven. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. you know, we're, and it's just wonderful. And it's just like with, um, the Winchester brothers, um, with the Impala, you know, for supernatural, we celebrate, you know, that birthday when the car was created and we celebrate Sam and Dean's birthday and when Castiel made his debut. And it's just that, that constant, Oh my gosh, um, this is bigger than us. And, you know, the, the fact that we've had such a, an amazingly positive reception of uh-huh. people contacting us and saying, oh, why aren't you here? Um, and we're so, we're so new. It's huge. Uh-huh. And it, amazing. it is. And, and that's what, like all of our team members we're doing, we're funding cosplay for hope out of our own pockets. Yeah. Uh, because we believe in what we're doing. But there needs to be a point when also there's some fundraising, right? And I don't want, I'm going to ask you about this event that you have coming up. Yes. Um, well, I'm sorry. Just one quick second. One quick second. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Mommy's on the phone. You can wait, okay? I'm sorry. I had to intervene with my two youngest. Um, it's okay. Well, uh, we... So August 25th, what's happening? Well, August 25th, we are having our first ever um, mini convention and walk for Cosplay for Hope. Um, uh-huh. We're setting it up just like a mini convention. Uh, so we're going to have exhibitors. We're going to have artists. Um, and we're, we're also going to have a featured speaker. Um, mm-hmm. This being our first ever event, um, we were, we were expecting, you know, a little bit of, oh, that's neat, um, from people, especially cosplayers. And we got this amazing response of, oh my gosh, 
when are you guys going to have another one? And we're like, uh-huh. oh, we haven't even, we haven't even had our first one yet. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, this, this, you know, desire for people to have us, you know, come out to Canada and, um, <laughs> and all these, all these other things. And we're like, yeah. we're, we're so humbled, yes. you know, because we, we're just, we're doing the best that we can. Um, but at the same time, we're encouraged because this is, this is something that people are really, you know, excited about. And uh-huh. uh, we're going to, we're going to have so many amazing people and we've got support um, from uh, organizations that we could have only dreamed of. Uh-huh. And it, it, it is a fundraiser. It doesn't cost anything to register but it is, it's a goodwill donation type of thing. So uh-huh. if people are able to afford, you know, even a dollar donation, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're not, that's, that's okay too. That's not required. Although fundraising will allow us to um, do more research and do more education initiatives because that's at, at our core, that's what it is. You know, it's, it's about helping people understand suicide, helping people understand mental health, um, helping with coping mechanisms and uh, when someone discloses to another, you know, Hey, I'm suicidal, how to appropriately respond. Mm -hmm. And because we have so many years experience with presenting to people and talking to people, that's something that we want to do on a completely free basis because you can't tell someone, Hey, let us come talk to you about suicide, but it's $25 a head because it's, it's not conducive to change, but you talk to someone, you're like, Hey, let us talk to you about mental health and suicide prevention and we'll do it for free. <laughs> there's, there's more of a, a slight acceptance there. And well, with, you know, that's something we struggle with. I mean, I know that I struggle with that in, in my own things that I do because the, the first priority is we want people to be able to participate. We want yes. them to come to enjoy the experience and to learn some things that they need to learn. And it's perfectly fine if they came only because of cosplay and somehow they also learned something they didn't expect to. <laughs> yes. And see, see that's, that's a wonderful thing because we've yeah. got so many cosplay groups that are like, wait, we're doing what? And uh-huh. our reception at um, Planet with people when we were doing the, the mental health panels was, why hasn't this been done before? Right. And, you know, where, where, where were you guys? And we're like, we didn't exist. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and, I mean, there's, there's so much momentum that as a team, we're doing our best, but we also kind of have to slow down yeah. um, and be able to, to be take realistic. everything in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're only a team of, you know, seven people now yeah. and there's only seven people and we're spaced out as, as far as Webster Groves, Missouri and Independence, Missouri. And, um, we, you know, we're, we're growing and we're slowly expanding, but it's also one of those things where we don't want to overexert ourselves and get burnt out because suicide prevention, mental health, there is a lot of burnout in this field. So we need to also be as realistic as possible, but it's that sense of, well, if I get, if I get burnout, then we've got a team that we can talk to. Uh Um, And all of us genuinely care about one another because we're all here for a reason, right? 
Um, and it, it doesn't matter how elaborate, you know, our ideas are or how simplified they are, because at the end, they're all coming from a good, honest, you know, pure place of, yeah. I want to help people. And that's a huge, huge blessing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's wonderful. And, and I, you know, as I kind of, as I listen to you and I've interjected a few times, I, I know that challenge of, we want this to be available to everybody. We want, you know, there's a part of you that has to go, yeah, I want to go set these people up in Canada. And then there's another part that goes, wait a minute, realistic. I am doing these things in my life. I have responsibilities for myself and my sons. I have mm -hmm. a support job. And are you, are you still in grad school or did you graduate in May or what? I'm I'm actually going back to grad school um, oh. to become a licensed professional counselor. Okay. Um, so you're going to get your because, third degree? Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. Um, because being involved, and as you know, being involved with um, mental health and suicide, um, like the, the amount of time that I spent doing this, has been mm -hmm. extremely empowering mm -hmm. but at the same time I want to be able to help more people mm -hmm. and as as a victim advocate over at survival I have that wonderful opportunity mm -hmm. but um my my you know my friends and family they're teasing me they're like well why don't you just get your doctorate and I was like well I I don't think having the name doctor by my name is going to help my clients mm -hmm. you know and especially in this field, you have to be approachable yeah. and learning, learning more about how to be approachable and going back and either, you know, becoming a licensed professional counselor or a marriage and family therapist um, would be hugely beneficial. Because if you look mm -hmm. at the family aspect, especially for suicide, um, when someone discloses that they're suffering from suicide ideation, a lot of times the families don't know how to respond. Exactly. So how do we, how do we help them appropriately respond yeah. and have that, have that, uh, um, not the standard reaction of, Oh, just go outside or, or something like that. Right. But having, having that standard reaction of thank you so much for sharing that with me. It, it mm -hmm. took a lot of strength to do that. Mm -hmm. um, let's get you the help that you deserve because we, you know, it, it's also normalizing mental health as much as we possibly can and saying, well, we don't tell someone who breaks their arm, oh, just rub some dirt in it, you'll be fine. Yeah. We actually help them seek medical the same respect with mental health is, you know, the chemical imbalances are real and they're also potentially deadly. So if we can normalize people's treatment seeking, um, especially treatment seeking behaviors and say, well, hey, it's okay, it's okay to struggle and it, it's okay, you know, to, to experience those downtimes. Mm -hmm. Just know that you're not alone and we're going to be yeah. here to help pick you back yeah. up and get you to where you need to be. Yeah. And, and you're, you're bringing up a really important part that I want to emphasize, which is all across the world, there are family friends, family friend people. I, I hyphenate those because I think some of the role, as you, you mentioned this earlier, family is not just about blood connection. So in this circle of our close family friends, many of us have loved ones who are suicidal. And at this moment in time, in 2018, there's still not a lot of support um, and guidance, you know. I don't know whether true. you've 
encountered Anne-Marie Matulis, who's based in, in Massachusetts. But Anne-Marie um, is, is one who, within the professional organization of the American Association of Suicidology, um, Anne-Marie really brought this to the forefront that this, as we say, table of suicide prevention, not only do we need people who are suicide loss survivors and people who have who are living with suicide thoughts and maybe self-harm and attempt, we also need those family and friends who are supporting loved ones. And some of us are all three of those things. That's always my, my reminder. But we don't have a lot of information and support available for what about when our loved one is suicidal on an ongoing basis? You know, I don't need to just know how to get the person to the emergency department after an attempt. I know how we live and help this person. And even when there is good mental health care available, it's still not the only thing. You know, if any of us yeah. think about in our own lives, when I have a problem that's really bothering me, my first thing to do is not going to be to call a crisis line. And I say that with all respect. I was the director of a crisis line, the one for suicide prevention lifeline for 34 years. And I was a volunteer before that. And I love that. And I love those, those things that happen through those, but we don't only need crisis lines. We need to know as friends and family, how do we support, our loved ones in an ongoing way. And part of that is about how do we take care of ourselves as well as what we need to know. And so Anne-Marie is the one who said, hey, we need to start doing these things and bringing people together. And we're going to add so much by supporting people who are family and friends. And also by saying, we value your voice at the table of suicide prevention. So so I encourage people who, who are listening and say, that's me too. One thing you can look at is Anne-Marie has this workbook called Is This the Night? And you can find that on Amazon. You can message me through Talk With Me, however you need to do that. But I'm I'm about making that support more available, just like here in Lawrence, I have a, a support group for people with with the experience of thoughts and attempts, as well as for suicide bereavement. And I'm eager to, to help with the family friends. Um, so... I know that was long, but man, there are so many of us touched by yes. suicide in so many ways. We, we've got to talk. Yeah. And it, it doesn't have to be that dirty word. You know, um, people can talk about it without it being such a horrible thing. And, you know, it, there's a lot of beauty in the fact that people are willing to um, even talk about it now. Because uh-huh. if you think about it, back in the 70s, uh, back in the 70s, cancer was that dirty word. Mm-hmm. You know, people didn't talk about that. Or yeah. in um, my suicide bereavement group, I had a woman. I was, I had a woman. There was some. We had this retreat, and a person came and she said, "Well, for the first six years after my husband died, I really didn't deal with it. I just couldn't." And and I was talking to her one on one just during our lunch break, and I said, "You know what? In my in my group for suicide bereavement, there was a woman who I think was in her 80s when she came." And her father had died when she was 12 years old. And the message in her family was, we cannot talk about this. Her mom knew that even being a single parent after her husband's death was stigmatized and could not handle what would happen for her job opportunities and other if people knew that her husband had died of suicide. So here was this woman who for 70 years had been living with this secret. 
And and even then, it was not too late to connect and and to realize she was part of a lot of people, too many people, but people who loved her and valued her and knew some of what she'd experienced. We, we have to do these things. Well, and see, that's entirely common because with Jeremy, um, his family, you know, mental health was that dirty word or yeah. that doesn't exist in our family. We don't have that in our family was mm-hmm. their mentality. Um, so when he died, it was very much like, look for the first person, you know, you can blame, which mm-hmm. was me. Um, but, but they were early on in their loss. Yeah. And um, I didn't, I never, I didn't necessarily hold them responsible for the way they acted after his death. Mm-hmm. because I've, I've always been that type of person. I, th- I attribute this a lot to my fandoms, mm-hmm. um, which being able to look outside the box, being able to kind of understand what I think and how I feel because of the characters. Because um, mm-hmm. you, you know when you're reading a good book and you're just you're sucked into that world, mm-hmm. and so you're, you're thinking of how the character would respond? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's the same way that I handled his loss was, okay, well, why are they responding this way? And wow. I, think, I think being able to look at it as, well, they don't know any better. Uh-huh. They, don't under, they don't understand this, which I didn't either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it was also the knowledge that I have. Well, I've got three little boys who are going to be seeing everything I, I say, mm-hmm. um, everything I do. If I put anything out there in print, they're going to see it eventually because once mm-hmm. it's online, it, it never goes away. Mm-hmm. And um, that meant he helped me keep myself in check, but it also allowed me to embrace the loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like one of those, one of those things where I had you asked me right before Jeremy died, um, if I would ever survive his loss, it would have been a no, I'd right. be gone the next day. Right. Um, but, having reality check me at that it was okay well I can't I can't do this I cannot survive without my husband because mm-hmm. I mean we we were young when we got married uh, we were together for almost a decade mm-hmm. and it was you know he was my first love he was my first everything mm-hmm. and it was this I cannot do this alone but then I turned around and I looked and we had three beautiful little boys that needed me. Yeah. And, and so I told myself, I was like, okay, I'm going to survive these first five minutes. I'm going to get through these first five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I, I was able to get through those first five minutes. And I was like, okay, well, let's try for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I survived 10 minutes without him. And eventually those, you know, those increments of time, they got bigger. And mm-hmm. I realized that I'm, I'm getting by. I'm mm-hmm. I'm surviving, um, which is something I never ever thought I would do. Mm-hmm. And it was that that knowledge of, well, I've been up against, you know, every single day that that could have knocked me down, and yeah. um, it could have been my last day. But my success rate at surviving those days is a hundred percent. Exactly. So I. I can do this even though it's hard and it's, it's not easy and it's not fair. Mm-hmm. 
And as a suicide loss survivor, you know, you're always thinking of the I could have, I would have, I should have. But the thing is with Jeremy is he was like Robin Williams. No one knew how much pain Robin Williams was in uh-huh. because he always had that happy face. He was always laughing or smiling or joking. Uh-huh. That that was Jeremy to a T. Uh-huh. He never shared his pain with people. And it wasn't until we got his medical file um, that we realized he had been to the doctor on August 1st. He died three days later. Mm. Um, he, he told the doctor, you know, he was sick and uh, that he hadn't been sleeping for at least five days, which is something he never shared with me. Mm-hmm. Um, also getting his file, we saw he had a history of depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And um, when, when he started getting sick, and this is, you know, hindsight, um, but he started having auditory and visual hallucinations, mm-hmm. um, seeing things, hearing things that weren't there. And, I didn't know anything like, Mm -hmm. and, and I'll admit that, you know, I didn't know anything looking Mm -hmm. back and speaking with um, specialists and everything else. They believe what, what happened was Jeremy had a schizophrenic break and that, that caused the auditory and the visual hallucinations. And that's what ended his life. And it's even, and you know, being, being involved with, with everything that you do, it's helping change that, the, the terms and the phrases. So instead of he committed suicide, it's he died mm. by suicide um, because people don't commit cancer. They don't commit heart disease. Right. And it, it's, you know, it's a more gentle term, especially for those who've lost a loved one. Yeah. And, and so, you know, everything, you know, being, being involved in those, those early intervention efforts, had I known them, I would have jumped on them, but I didn't know. And it's normalizing mental health. And even to the extent where it's normalizing it for my boys, because if a, if a child loses a parent to suicide, that child is three times more likely to attempt suicide themselves. But the thing we also know about that is that those kids who have parents, adults in their life who really are models for healthy grief, that that really reduces the risk. So it's it doesn't mean that it's definitely going to happen. And in your guys, oh, yeah. you as a family are doing all these wonderful things that really are, are have laid the foundation for your mm-hmm. family, your and, and Jeremy's boys to grow up really strong and healthy and knowing if I'm having a problem with how I'm feeling and how that makes me act. I get help just like if my teeth yes. breaks, we go to the dentist. Same thing. Yeah. Yes. And, so and with awesome. the boys, yeah, and that's the beautiful thing because with the boys, what we did is um, I explained to them that daddy was hurting in his head and daddy was hurting in his heart, mm-hmm. you know. And and so I talked to them um, and I'm like, if you ever, if you're ever hurting in your heart or your head, you let mommy know and, and we'll take you to the doctor. It's, it's normalizing that. So it's like, you remember when you were sick and your throat didn't feel good and, uh, or you had a fever, we went to the ER. Well, that's, that's the same thing that we're going to do if you're not feeling well. And this is even extended to the boys' friendships because my oldest is, you know, he's 10. Uh And he's noticed that a friend of his was really, really sad. Uh So he went up and he told the teacher um, and, you know, the teacher took it seriously because she knows what we're involved in. Uh Um, But it's knowing that, you know, the youngest victims of suicide are six year olds. Uh And, you know, the, the fact that 
their family thought that, oh, well, they're too young to be sad or they're too young to, to experience this. And that's because when you're, when you're looking at chemical imbalances, it doesn't matter what age you're, you are. Right. We are sadly and surprisingly already at the end of our hour. Oh, my goodness. I want to I prompt you to share something that you shared with me. So you, you lost your dear husband, Jeremy, to suicide on August 4th of 2013. Yeah. And in November of 2014, you received letters from one person who is one of the most admired people that I've ever, one of the people I admire the most in the whole wide world of history, as well as from another important person. I want you to be able to say that. Who did you get a letter from in November of 2014? Oh my goodness. Love you for saying that because he's one of my uh, most inspirational people as well. Yes. in November 2014, I received a letter from a former, well, he was then, uh, President Barack Obama, saying that so I was... awesome, April! Um, it was amazing. The letter he wrote said that I was an example of the fortitude of the American spirit, and I cried. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I also received a letter from Senator Blunt uh, uh-huh. out of Missouri, and it, it's actually... You know, he knows who I am. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, every time, you know, we interact, he asks how the boys are. And um, so I'm just, I'm one of those people that if I care about a cause, which I do, uh-huh. um, especially for mental health and suicide prevention, I care about it so much that um, I, I don't care if people know who my name is, but uh-huh. as long as they know the organization uh-huh. or what we stand for, yeah. that's huge. Yeah. And so, yes, um, I, I was lucky enough to receive a letter that is framed yeah. <laughs> and uh, hanging on my wall. <laughs> that is so cool. That is so cool. So I just, I couldn't let us have this talk without that being part of it. Because that <laughs> is just like, that blew me away. Because you're like, well, I, I'll send you my CV and this and that. And it's like, I have to scroll all the way down to the bottom. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> That was so, so wonderful. I'm I'm so happy for you and for your family that you have that. Sad for the reason, you know, because, of course, yeah. in, in the best of all worlds, Jeremy would be thriving now with you and your sons here on Earth. He's in yeah. all of your hearts. He's he's in all of you. And 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 still, you know, it's his his death is is something that's very sad. And for you all, it became inspirational to make sure you could do good for other people. So I want our listeners to look for Cosplay for Hope on Facebook. Uh, I'll have more information on the Talk With Me page about post about this this show. But see what it is. And if you're part of that group, a Cosplay group, Someplace Else, think about what you all could be doing too. Because we need all of these activities, all of these arts, all of these connections, because some of them are right for some people who are feeling really alone at this moment. And we all need to know that we're valued and connected. April, thank you so much for sharing your your energy, your story, the things that you're doing. Thank you for being the person that you are. Oh, well, thank you. Like, it's it's just an honor to speak to you. And even the fact that you're out of Lawrence, Kansas, which I'm 
like inwardly fangirling because of supernatural. <laughs> like <laughs> you, you are absolutely a phenomenal, wonderful blessing in our lives. So thank you for doing everything that you do. Thank you. And and I want to thank Daniel Smith who produces the show. I'm going to say that this was probably talk with me, the maximum background noise edition. Apologize for that. I I'm record, so sorry. <laughs> well, no, not just you, you know, you, you, you were, you're taking time during a very important family thing to, to make this time for this show. And so at some points there were some noises from your environment. I'm sitting here enjoying that it's cool today. My windows are all open and we heard lawnmowers and sirens and barking dogs and who knows what, but it's all good because it's all part of the genuine spirit of conversations around the dinner table for Talk With Me. Thank you again. Thank you listeners and so long till next time.